Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. morning. I'm going to do something a little different today. This is really just different for myself, but I've been really convicted. Um, You know, it's a lot of conviction comes when you're extremely tired. Um, So some of you probably know um, through Facebook that, you know, we we decided to become super parents and and get our children a puppy. Um, Some of you who knew what was coming should have told us. I I love the super parent idea. That one moment when they discovered this new one was fantastic. Greatest moment of my parenting life. But nobody told me about the moments after that. Um, But anyways, that's neither here nor there. We are forging our way through. He wakes me up three times every night. Um, Our last baby was eight years ago, so I'm getting used to it again. Um, This whole, that's kind of just what babies do, whether they're humans or dogs. That's kind of what they do. Um, So our our nine-week-old Black Lab is really giving me fits, but that is okay. In that time of being up in the middle of the night, um, getting getting ready to take him out in freezing cold temperatures, so that we can train him properly because that's what you want to do as a good puppy owner. Um, God really revealed to me something and challenged me with something. Uh, And so because he challenged me, I now get to extend that that challenge. Often when I preach, and you guys know this, um, I know especially Horacio knows this as he's the one on the camera upstairs for the Facebook feed, that I am a pacer. When I, when I speak, I kind of get fired up about God's word often when I preach. And you guys know, because you have to follow me every Sunday when I do this. And then I don't want to forget about you guys over here in the wing. So I often want to make sure that they know that you guys know that, hey, I know you're here, right? I don't just want to be here. And so sometimes it often even feels like this is kind of just part of my football heritage and upbringing of like, I feel like I'm like rallying the team every time I preach. Like, okay, you know, let's get excited because God's got something for us. And I kind of feel like I'm just doing this kind of left and right. Like, come on team, let's get fired up. And then I come back over here. I'm like, okay, they're not fired up. Come on team, let's fire it up. And that's kind of how my preaching sometimes feel to me. Today, we're going to be looking at, and as we're in this, um, this Advent series and we're in the book of Luke, and we're kind of now in the third kind of installment of this. And it's a story that we're going to share, a passage that you're all super, super familiar with. If this is not your first Christmas, you know this passage well. And I was convicted, and I asked if they would bring a chair up. Because today, church, I want God's word to fire us up. Not me. I'm not going to rah-rah. I want God's word to do that. 
As we look at a familiar passage, something that you'll say, oh, I've heard that a thousand times. I've read it every Christmas since I was, you know, two years old. My parents read it and all of these things. And I'm just going to feel like, man, if I don't deliver this right and try to bring something new to it, that, and it's like, it's not about that at all. God wants to speak something fresh to us in this Christmas season. And I don't want to get in the way of that by pacing back and forth, by trying to rally the troops. God says, no, just let my word do that. So let's pray this morning. And this is going to be uh, my, my prayer, my hope. I've been really practicing, like, doing this in the mirror so that this would be a shortened script, this shortened preach, because I believe that if we receive what God has for us this morning, it won't take a lot of words. What I'm going to ask God to do, he's going to do in you through his word without me being long-winded. Anybody want to amen that? So the more you uh, get excited of God's word, the less I will have to speak. That's our deal. Are we, are we in? That, that's the deal. The more we allow God's word to bring the amen, the less I feel like I'm going to have to keep speaking to get you to be like, yeah, that was good. And it's not about me bringing that at all. So let me pray. Let's pray for us. Let's open God's word. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning, so you can even begin to pray there. A very familiar passage, uh, but we're going to look at it from a slightly different angle this morning, and I believe that God's got something for us today. All right? So, Lord God, I come again as humbly as I know how to say, God, speak to your church. God, though this passage is very familiar to all of us in here, most likely, Lord God, I ask that you would make the familiar strange that we might see something, learn something, God, that you might expose something new to us today that we may have never seen or noticed or heard before. May move us today, God, just by the power of your word alone. That, God, that would allow us to, to not leave this place the same way we came. God, encourage your people this morning. God, where we feel empty, God, we ask that you would fill us up this morning. God, make your word come alive to us this morning. And Lord God, we will be so grateful to you for that. We will give you all praise and all honor and all glory because you are due all things. In your precious name we pray. We'll see how this works, because trying to sit and preach this to me just seems completely wrong on every level I know, but I can't do it. Okay, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, God's word. No, we're going to, we're, we're doing it. We're do, I'm going to need a seatbelt. Definitely. This is okay, but I'm going to read God's word, so I got to stand for this. We're going to read Luke chapter two, starting at verse one, and we're going to read through verse 21. So I want to read the entire, uh, this entire narrative to us, um, and then we're just going to pull out a few points that I think God has for us today. 
It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to, to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now, again, as we are on this journey through the Advent season and we're studying the book of Luke and Dave has laid out before us um, in chapter one, and we are kind of topic of being uh, of this fulfilled in this sense of uh, the word of God, the prophecy of God being fulfilled um, in Christ. Um, and so we're going to kind of be going through this all the way from now through Easter. And I think there is some, there's a lot of amazing things in this idea of fulfilled that did not just stop upon the birth of Jesus, but that there are things, there are promises, there are prophetic words that are still being fulfilled. But if we look at Luke chapter 2, and we, we know this story well, like I said, many of you, even as I read it, some of you probably were kind of quoting some of these, some of these passages by heart because you've, because you've heard them so much. But I love this, this passage because it, it continues to remind me of this upper story and the lower story. And if you guys remember some years ago as a study, the church, we took almost the entire year um, and we talked about um, the upper story and the lower story and how there's a, a story going on in the heavenlies and there's in, the, in kind of the spiritual places of God and then there's our story here on earth and that there are these two kind of stories playing out at the same time. And this is really a great example of that here in Luke chapter two. I mean, if we just look at kind of this, this idea of going in, coming into Bethlehem uh, from Nazareth, for the census. 
And one would think that there was some, this was kind of some accidental happening that, well, it just happened to be the census. And so, of course, Joseph has to go back to his town, kind of his birth town, in order to, to register for the census. And this is just going to, you know, the whole thing is about making money for the emperor and all these things because it's taxation and getting a proper count for all these kinds of things. And at its, at its kind of most basic, we could say, well, it's just kind of ironic that this would happen that way. But there is no irony in God's economy. That in the upper story, God knew exactly what he was doing. God knew exactly where he wanted Jesus to be born. And this using the current powers that be at that time in order to accomplish his goal and to fulfill what he was to fulfill is not surprising at all. I mean, if we look at Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And it says when we, before we go there in Luke, sorry, in Luke chapter two, when he says that, you know, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, uh, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, right? And he was doing what he was supposed to do. He was doing his duty um, to return to his place of birth, uh, to where his family line is to be counted in census. And of course, he would take his, um, he would take Mary with him. And we would look at that and say, well, that's not weird. And do a little research, and that's a 90-mile journey. Now, 90 miles for us today is not all that big of a deal. Most of us can drive 90 miles in, you know, a little over an hour and a half, two hours if you drive slow like me, um, an hour if you drive fast like some in this place that I will not name. Um, But at that time, we're talking 90 miles by foot. And I don't know a lot about donkeys. I'm not really a farmer, never really have been. I grew up in the city, so I know very little. Um, but they kind of get this moniker as being stubborn. I don't know if any of you have had any personal experience with donkeys. But the assumption in my mind would be that this 90-mile journey um, from Nazareth to Bethlehem probably took quite a bit longer because Mary, his very pregnant um, I want to say wife, but at that time they still were not wed. His very pregnant fiance <laughs> on a donkey. And they say that Bethlehem is kind of up here, and the road or the way path they would have to take was kind of at or below sea level, with Bethlehem being almost 3,500 feet above. So the the entirety of this trip was kind of up and down, up and down, ultimately leading to where they were going in Bethlehem. So this was indeed an arduous journey. This was not the little story kind of journey that we see in the movies where, you know, she's sitting so nicely and comfortably on the donkey and just kind of riding through and it's all kind of pretty and maybe scenic things along the way. The actual story itself is actually quite a a daunting journey that would have taken them four to five days. That would have been extremely cold at night. That could have had any type of wild animals along the way. And that there could have been and possibly even could have encountered bandits or robbers along the path because everyone knew that everyone was traveling as a part of this decree. So this would be a great time for people to take advantage of people during this time. So this story, as it's playing out, as it looks to us from kind of this, this kind of our human eyes, is just like, you know, wow, this, this is a little more than just that kind, of, that kind of pretty little story that we know of. 
But when we look back at the upper story, when we look at what God is doing and we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, he says this, starting in verse 11. He tells these very words to David through the prophet Samuel. He says, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Stop there. Who do we know David's offspring to be that he's referring to here? Yes, and before Joseph. Thank you, Lori, and Solomon, right? So we know that David's son that was going to take over right after David would be his son Solomon. And so he says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, which there will be. His son Solomon will do that you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. And we know that to be true of Solomon. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now we know that Solomon is no longer alive. He did die. So how can he establish it forever if the man himself that he is speaking to is dead? There is this upper story and this lower story you all playing out. That he's saying, I am doing something in the heavenlies that will establish this line of David through David and all of his offspring to come that will establish this kingdom forever. It says, I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. We know that to be true of Solomon, he was the one with the 700 wives and all the concubines, and he allowed these, these women, these wives and things to, to pull him away from, from worshiping the one true God, and, and he was punished for that. And we know in 1 Kings that God raised nations against Solomon because of his sin. So he says that there will be a punishment in this human world But he says, but, verse 15, my love will never be taken away from him. As I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from you, who I removed from before you, your house and your kingdom will endure forever, he tells David. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. In order for that to happen, David knew that that means that he knew he wasn't going to live forever. So that means that there had to be this, this greater plan that God had for David and for his line, for his lineage and his family that would last for forever because him or Solomon or his son after that would not be that person. And so there is this, this forever clause. There is this this movement in scripture that when we look at just this story of Jesus, it's not just kind of, oh, this kind of the cute little baby. It is this fulfillment of this idea that this kingdom that God promised to David hundreds of years before, that it would play itself out in this child to be born. Thank you. I'm shortening up as we speak. As Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says, we all know this very well. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. 
and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting, uh, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be the forever happening through Jesus. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So there is this earthly story that we see playing out here, but this is a fulfillment of this heavenly story that God has written even from the beginning of time. So it says that they went there to, met, to register, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. We're back in Luke, and she gave birth to a son, a firstborn. And you guys know the story. They went in, and there was no room in the inn, or there was no guest room available, because obviously so many people had now come back to, to register for the census. And he says, um, and they placed them in a manger because there was no room. And we know that story well. But I want to spend our time focusing on verse 8 and following. I found it really peculiar, and I'm really dying, you guys sitting here. I'm, just, I'm so sorry. I'm going to stay back here, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to stand. I'm going to put my foot on the chair, so I'm technically still in the chair. But I really spent a lot of time in the midst of all the craziness that's been going on this week thinking about the beauty of the shepherds. There's an amazing, this is an amazing story of the birth of the Christ child, you guys. I mean, this, I mean it's, it's miraculous in, in, his, in his conception, right, that, that he, is, he is born of, of woman, but he is also born of God. Like, I mean, so this is miraculous in every way imaginable and possible. And this, this great news that people have waited generation after generation after generation to hear that there would become the conquering king who would come and who would overthrow the government and who would rule with righteousness and justice, as Isaiah said. It's big news. And I find it so odd in the book of Luke, that this big news is first brought to shepherds. Anybody else just kind of like, huh? I mean, there are definitely more qualified people to give something like this to, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are. I'm sure you would take this to the, to the chief priest, right? I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of following. People will trust what he says. I mean, he could, he could give the words and, and people would be like, whoa, this is, this is what we've been waiting for. He could have done that. He could have gone to the emperor himself and been like, hey, uh, guess what? Your rule's about to end. I just want to make you aware. Here's the, heavenly, here's the angels and this heavenly host just to pretty much sing out your time here is done. Right? I mean, it really could have, he could have gone in a million different directions. But it says, going straight from, they lied him in the manger, wrapped him with cloths because there was no room available and then it goes on and says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this probably more deeply than is probably fully necessary, but it kind of got fun 
after a while, and I kind of got lost in kind of just thinking about this idea of the shepherds. But I chose for a title for our message today, A Shepherd's Hope. And I think there's something that God wants to reveal to us in the next few moments regarding these shepherds. I think when we think about the story of Jesus and his lineage, which traces all the way back, and we already looked at back to David, right? And we think about where David was found when he was anointed king by Samuel. Anybody remember that story? You know, I mean, it really was a really kind of a cool, I think, kind of juxtaposition that that Luke is, is making here because we've, we've been talking about the reason why Joseph is back in Bethlehem even in the first place for, to be counted census is because of his place in the line and the genealogy of, of David. And then we know when we think about this idea of these shepherds that we know who David was when he was called, right? That he was called from the fields. I mean, let's, let's look at 1 Samuel 16, just a couple of verses, just to kind of pique our our, mem- our um, bring back our memory, right? Because this is really important. So in 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 and 7, it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord, right? I mean, Eliab was the oldest son of Jesse's sons. And of course, he probably would have looked the most kind of imposing as a, as a person. And man, surely that's got to be a king because I mean, he just looks the part. I mean, you ever see those people and you're just kind of like, they just look like they can kind of come into a room and, and command its attention. But it says, and so Sam says, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. I mean, look at this guy. He looks like he belongs. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse seven, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Such profound and powerful words. One, as we know, there is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, sitting in a manger. Church, don't look at the outward appearance. Some of you may be in this space thinking I am insignificant, unimportant, and I don't bring anything to the table. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you a truth that I've uncovered just looking just at this simple verse. The Lord doesn't look at your outward appearance. There are mighty dynamos of God in this place because of what God is doing in your heart. Because of who you are and how you love unconditionally, even people who don't deserve your love. That, when we carry that, that is what I believe the significance of the shepherds are in this story. Was in this upper story that's happening and this fulfillment of all the prophecies that are taking place in the birth of this child. God says, but I haven't forgotten the humble people, that in the midst of what I'm doing, it is for them as well as it is for those with power, those with position, those with those. I will never not be a God of the forgotten, the one who's out in the field. 
Because that's what Samuel's was like, wait a minute, there's got to be, because God has said no to all of them. He's like, are you sure? Do you have any more children than this? Because something's not right. I don't think God made a mistake. And he said, oh yeah, I forgot. We didn't even invite him to the sacrifice. Oh yeah, there's, there's David as our youngest. He's out in the fields tending the flocks. Well, bring him here, Samuel says. None of us will sit until he comes. And what does God says as soon as he enters the room to Samuel? That's the one. That's the one. Anoint him. And so these shepherds are out there doing what shepherds do. They're not weak by any account. I mean, the work of the shepherd, we know this from David himself. When he interacted with Saul and he was, they were about to, he was about to go out for the Goliath and Saul was like, I can't send you out there, right? And he was like, look, I've taken on bears. I've taken on lions. I've taken on whatever other animal there is to take on that would come after the sheep. I could take out this Philistine. That's no problem. So these shepherds are no weaklings by any stretch of the imagination. Though their role may come across in society at that time as, as kind of of a lower role or, or maybe insignificant to the degree as, as a job is concerned or as a position is concerned, but there was no lack of strength and power in these men. And it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory shone around them and they were terrified. And I wish the presence of the Lord would still terrify us. Sometimes I question if we even recognize the presence of the Lord when he's right before us. I love when Dave spoke this morning and said that in our time of worship, when we're singing that song, to worship you, I live. And he says, there's a, there's a, a posture of entering in. This is not in my notes. This is a bonus I'm giving you guys because I didn't get an amen in the last couple of minutes. So we're getting, I'm starting to add some extra stuff that I didn't intend to bring. Yeah, too late. Um, <laughs> But there's a posture of entering in to worship, of entering into his presence, of clearing out all the other thoughts and things that we have to do today in preparation for whatever it is we have to prepare for, to say, God, you are indeed the most important in my life in this moment. There is nothing else that compares. So that text that came through, doesn't matter. The dinner that I got to make to get home because people are coming over, doesn't matter. The gifts that I still got to pick up, because if I don't get this one today, then I may not get a chance to get it, doesn't matter. What matters is that we enter into his presence, because there could be singing, like you said, going on around us, and we could miss the presence of the Lord because we're thinking about what has to still happen later on. And so when the presence of the Lord shone to them, they were terrified. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that meant that they literally got down on their faces because of the brightness of the, of the presence of God in front of them. And it says they were afraid because, I mean, obviously they're sitting in this field at night in the dark, probably with maybe just a campfire, and they're tending to their sheep, and they're, they're making sure they're all accounted for. And the night is, of course, a, a really vigilant time for shepherds because that's when all of the prey come. 
I mean, we know this from scripture, the, the, this enemy who, who comes, he comes in darkness. I mean, his idea is to try to catch you off guard. So, I mean, these guys are now, they're vigilant. They're looking after their, their sheep. This isn't a time to really take a nap. This is a time when they're really on call, on duty. And the angel of the Lord showed before them and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Church, I'm gonna stand up for this because I can't ask this question and not. Is this news still great? And does it still bring you great joy? It must, church. It must. That the Savior of the world would be born among us so that we can be saved, so that our, our souls can be redeemed. It must still bring us great joy or else it just gets lost in the Christmas machine. We will spend more time shopping than we will studying about the Savior. Oh, church, that it would still bring us great joy, that the good news of Jesus is still the best news we've ever had. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign. You will find this baby wrapped in these clothes and he's gonna be lying in a manger. And then there's this great company of heavenly hosts that appear. And it says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go. We, we can't, we can't, did you hear what just, what was just said? The, 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 I mean, did you see the, the brightness? I mean, it was, it was night, we were watching the sheep, and then all of a sudden it was like the brightness of day, and, and did you see the, the heavenly hosts that were, that were singing out, glory to God in the highest? This, this, what we've been waiting for, what we've heard about since we were, since we were little kids in the, in the synagogues is, is finally come to fruition, is, has finally come to, to pass. Let's go. We, we can't sit on this information. We, we got to go see for ourselves. This isn't a see for yourselves as in they doubted the words of God. This is a see for ourselves and oh my goodness, we just got a personal invitation with GPS navigation that tells us exactly where to go. Don't go look for him in an inn, which is where you might think to go look for the son of God to be born, right? You would go look for the finest room somewhere because if you go there, you're not gonna find him. He says, no, go because there's a baby lying in a manger. And it doesn't give us any details that they say, whoa, whoa, wait, what? Oh, it's so beautiful. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So beautiful. This was a fulfillment of so much that they had heard. Guys, Jesus is a fulfillment still to this day of so much we have heard. That he, though he accomplished what he accomplished in his time on earth, 
is still accomplishing for us things that he has promised to us. So let's go. Let's go tell people about this thing we have heard. Right? I mean, this is, this is exciting. This is exciting stuff. Let's go. Let's not sit idly by and, and just go through the Christmas season and just say, oh, this was great. But did you see all the gifts and all that? No, let's go and tell the good news. Let's go and tell the news that Jesus Christ not only was born, but is born. That he is still alive. He is still with us. Even when they tried to kill him, let me not get away from where we are today. But we know the reality that even though the attempt was made, it was thwarted by God himself because he had a plan. His upper story still cannot be thwarted. And here we are living in this lower story, sometimes like, oh, that was just kind of good stuff. And I'll talk about it again on Sunday when I go back to church. But let's continually be reminded in this season, in this season, as we're just a few weeks away, from Christmas Day, and, and we will have whatever. I'm Listen, I am struggling right now sitting down, so this brings, I get to say stuff that I normally wouldn't say. But I'm going to say it. Let us make the Christmas Eve service a priority. How much better if we're going to say this is critical to the season, that we would not come together as a body of Christ, to worship together, to say, God, I know I got to make this big meal for tomorrow. And I want it to be impressive because I, I love my family. But, oh, God, you are so much more important than that. Now, this is not a guilt trip. And like Dave said, if you got things you got to do, you got to do. That is between you and the Lord. But I do want to challenge us that the good news is still good. That what was accomplished was not just accomplished in that time, but it is still being accomplished. Therefore, we still have much to celebrate. We still have much to be excited for. We still have much to go and tell. Because that is our Savior and our King. And we celebrate Him in this season. And I want us to celebrate Him above and beyond celebrating anything else. And I have in my notes all of these prophecies both from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah that speak of this coming king who the shepherds were so excited about that they said, let's go. Let's go see and it says, so they hurried off. Translation being, they ran to go see. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it was amazed. Church, people will still be amazed at the truth of Jesus if we would be willing to tell them. They will be. That as we not allow this story to just get old, 
to just be kind of a mere kind of blip on our, on our kind of holiday plan. As we make this the central focus of this season, the good news of the fulfillment of the King of Kings that was to come, then we too would hurry off to tell people this good news and people will be amazed. People are still amazed. And there are people who have still not heard that Jesus has come, that he is with us. Why? Because he has the name Emmanuel. Just so that we would never forget. Any of you in this season maybe feel like, man, I just feel like I'm alone. I just feel like this, is the, this season always just brings me down. Maybe we think about all the things we lost, all the, all the people that we lost. Maybe we think about the, the, you know, the, the, some of the sadness that comes around this season. Maybe we think about the loss of people in our lives or, or man, I wish I had more money so I could do more or, or whatever those things are. I want to remind you this morning, if it's, if it's okay, and worship team, I'm going to have you guys come. We're going to end with the song. But I want to remind us that we have Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the midst of this season, whether it is the most joyous time of the year for you or maybe one of the most difficult times of the year for you, God is with us. If you feel like you've got all the resources you need to make the best Christmas ever, or you think, you feel like, oh, this is just going to be another one of those where everybody's going to be bummed out because I can't get people what it is they want, share with them Emmanuel. Allow God to fill them with things that they didn't even know they needed. Because that is the goodness of our God. Fulfilled in this scripture, Luke shares with us the birth of the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. In this scripture, he talks about, and he is the one true God. It's more than just the story that we've heard from the time we were little kids until now. It is a realization that what God has started, what he had began to accomplish in his upper story, It was fulfilled, which gives us hope because those things which he promised still in that upper story are still to be fulfilled. Amen. And I had to remind myself, what is that? And I just reminded myself, there's going to be a time of no more tears. Amen. There's going to be a time of no more war. Yes. There's going to be a time of no more time of no more death. That story he has put into place, that story that he said, it will be fulfilled. Church, it will be fulfilled because our God can do anything but fail. So we allow the story of the Christ child's birth to be just a, 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 just a, a continuation of God because you are so good and because you cannot even lie that you would say that it could not happen, you made it happen. Then you will therefore see to it that the rest of your promises happen. Oh, church, that's good news. So let's go. Let's go and share this good news. 
Let's be heralds of this good news to a world that needs to know that Jesus is King, that he is Lord, that he is in control, that he was born. Didn't have to be. Didn't have to choose this route. But he took this route for you and for me. He had to live this life as a human. He had to die the death he had to die. Church, so that we might have life. Oh my goodness. Does that not fill you with great joy? If it does, then let's stand. Let's sing this song together. Let me pray as we just enter this time of just singing. Lord God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, I don't know any other word to say. I wish I had a bigger word that I could, that I could say, but God, this is what I've got. God, we thank you. God, we, we, our hearts are filled with gratitude that the prophecies that, that were made back years and years and years ago was fulfilled in your birth. Lord God, that you were born as the Messiah and as the King, not in the way that it would come across to human eyes, Lord God, but that what you needed to accomplish, you accomplished in the most humblest of ways, that you would be born of human that you would be wrapped in cloths, that you would lie in a trough where animals eat for the purpose of redeeming us, God. God, we don't deserve it, but we do say thank you for it. God, I pray that this good news God, I pray that this good news would indeed continue to bring us great joy. Lord God, that it would never get old, that it would never just become just kind of a oh, humdrum Christmas. Let me go through and do all the logistics that I have to do for the holiday, Lord. No, God, that we would pause and pause often to say, I am so grateful that Emmanuel was born, that you continue to be with us. And so God, it is in that excitement that we sing this morning moving our hearts, moving our lives, Lord God. God, allow this song to be a sweet tribute to who you are. In your precious name we pray. Amen.